Well, it's time for another episode of the Simplify and Multiply show. And in today's episode 11, I'm going to be having a conversation with Adam Toprek. And Adam's got a great background in customer experience, and he's got some really cool things to talk about regarding beliefs, solopreneurism, and how it relates to attitudes around your customer. If you are a solopreneur and want growing your business to be easier, welcome to the Simplify and Multiply show. Hosted by award-winning creative, business development expert, and tactical coach, Terry Pappy. The Simplify and Multiply show promises to become your practical, tactical, and motivational guide to succeeding as a solopreneur. Hey there, Solo. I'm Terry Pappy, and I created Simplify and Multiply to provide you a place where you can discover how to make your business more profitable. I'm going to do this by helping you remove the complexity from marketing and business development. So if that sounds good to you, listen in. Adam, welcome to the Simplify and Multiply show. I'm so happy to have you here. How is life in Orlando? Well, you know, you used to live here, Carrie. And first of all, thank you for having me. But it's hot. It's really, really hot. <laughs> yeah, it is hot. Yes. <laughs> Florida in the summer. Woo. Uh, let's, let's do this again in December. Then you can ask me again. I know, right? And that'll be, uh, well, we just might do that. I might take you up on that, yeah. my friend. <laughs> so listen, this season's all about how beliefs shape your business. And I was so excited to have you on the show because of your intense focus on the customer experience at all levels of business. And one of the things that I think is really important for a solopreneur to understand is how they can have a fixed belief system or mindset around what their clients actually experience, think, need, desire, what have you. And me being in the marketing world, uh, people do get hung up on your ideal avatar, your, you know, who's your target customer and all this kind of structure around what you're looking for, and it dehumanizes the experience that a client can have or what that particular solopreneur is really up to and their intention of service. And so what I'd love to unpack with you today is in the context of customer experience and how can we help our solopreneur listener shift their mindset to expand so they can really appreciate what their clients are dealing with in their world. So let's just start there, and you can talk a little bit about some of the work you've done also so my listener understands more about your expertise in this area. Oh, absolutely. So, you know, we do customer experience, customer service, and we do training. I, I do keynote speeches, and my focus is very much on customer emotion and how customers re relate to an experience, derive emotion, how that informs their experience. And one of the things, you know, when you, this, I love this idea of talking about beliefs because when you talk about beliefs, small business, I'm a third generation entrepreneur mm -hmm. and I'm also did business school. I've got a, a very varied background. And I can tell you throughout my career, I have seen this idea of beliefs come into play because mm. one of the first things, and this is in life as well as customer experience, is we always tend, we just naturally tend to look at the world through our own prism. So, and you'll know this Absolutely. from marketing. I, if you, I know you've been in a room somewhere where you suggested a marketing thing, a marketing opportunity or a channel, and the person's like, well, I never read those. <laughs> who, ca who cares? <laughs> it's not about yes, you. Yes, right? absolutely. That's, that's a belief, right? Yes. That's, and that oh, happens Oh, God, all. yeah, it is. Yeah, right? It's like, 
are, are you the target market? Because mm -hmm. <laughs> I, I thought we were selling video games to 20-year-olds, right? And so it's, that manifests itself throughout entrepreneurship, solopreneurship, because we start, we have these ideas about what our customer wants. Mm -hmm. And often they are informed through a, a random few uh, interactions, right? Oh, a couple of customers said this. Okay, mm. well, you have 10,000 customers or you, know, you have yeah. 100 customers. Two of them right. said this. Is that representative or those are two that complain the most? <laughs> right? Squeaky wheel, right? Yeah. Right, exactly. And this, we, we get these, this sort of false evidence uh, and it's, it becomes beliefs like, oh, our customers don't like that because one mm -hmm. customer told you. I, when I was in retail, so I, I owned retail stores. Uh, you know, I mentioned being a third generation entrepreneur. I owned retail stores. I had all these things where like, oh, th they don't like the music. I was like, who's they? Oh, well, uh, you know, Sheila, our regular complained. Anyone else? No. Okay. <laughs> right. One complaint. Oh, my gosh. Right? But it becomes a belief. Like, I had to counter the beliefs of my staff just because they get one piece of evidence. It's the only piece of evidence. They don't have conflicting evidence. Because nobody goes, I love the music in your store, right? I mean, maybe somebody does, but it's just not that rare. But somebody goes, wow, that's really annoying. I'm trying to shop here. So I, I, so I see your point. I'm going to jump in real quick. Yeah, don't don't lose your track of thought because <laughs> I don't want to lose mine. I'll talk all day. Yeah. <laughs> no, but it's like, do you think that they do that in the absence of real information provided about their people? Because that's what I, I have experienced in my journey. It's like because they don't know how to or where to look for the right experience that their customers are having or not having so they can actually cultivate that. So do you think that that happens in the absence of it because they grab onto something is better than nothing? I, I think absolutely. There's a, it's an absence. It's two things. It's an absence of conflicting evidence, right? They don't, mm -hmm. they have one data point or two mm -hmm. data points, right? As opposed right. to a hundred data points. The other thing is it's how we're wired. So part of what we teach when we talk about customer emotion is evolutionary psychology. And I'll give you an example. We were just talking about uh, Florida and all the wonderful wild animals before we got on the uh, podcast. So in my neighborhood, I have this one spot I walk and I run, and I have this one spot where I saw a poisonous snake. Um, that snake could be anywhere now, but where do I always look for it? At the same spot I saw it. Yes. We've got bears in our neighborhood. I always look for the bear in the same spot, even though I know the bear has been all over the neighborhood. <laughs> yeah. we, we are literally linked That's up so to know true. like, oh, there was a tiger in the cave. This is how our brains have been evolved for mm -hmm. tens of thousands, millions of years. The limbic system, yep. Yeah, exactly. The, <laughs> there's a tiger in that cave. I'm staying away from that cave. So we automatically create associations to things, right? So I think when, let's step back and what can we do about it? So the first thing is being aware of your own beliefs, like really asking yourself, where do they come from? Our customers don't like that. Why am I saying that? Really? What do I know? Uh, next thing is, how can you get data? How can mm. you get better, more uh, you know, qualitative? Yes. Uh, That's what I was going to just right. jump in and say, qualitative, please. Yeah. I mean, in the qualitative, you, know, you want anecdotal data to, yeah. to mix with the qualitative, but you, gotta, mm -hmm. you really need to find the qualitative. And I know if you're a solopreneur, if you don't have a big base of customers or whatever, that may be difficult. So then you need to go deep with your customers, talk to them. If you have 10 deep clients as opposed to, you know, a thousand, you know, sort of less deep clients, then you, you need to know what those 10 clients yeah. want, need, think, feel. You need to dig deep with them. 
And that's that may be challenging for a solopreneur. And I'm speaking from experience because this is actually, <laughs> believe it or not, it's a service I provide my clients, which is doing qualitative research for them. And I remember I started doing this. My intention, I mean, I'm a creative, right? So my intention was not to be a data, you know, gathering type person. And But they were unable to give me the answers I was asking to the questions I was asking about their customers. And when, or they'd make assumptions or generalizations. And so I'm like, all right, well, let me talk to your clients and find out. And I would literally get on the phone and have a, like a heart to heart with people. And, you know, instead of doing the polls and the surveys and the mechanics of data gathering and data capture around client and customer opinion, I actually went in there and did some qualitative research that was very much based and grounded in empathy and listening for a pain. And so I I really took the time to, I had a couple of my clients, customers, crying on the phone because I was asking such thought-provoking, like, yeah, I'm here and I give a crap type questions that they're like, nobody's ever asked me how I felt about that or nobody's ever... Wow really asked me how hard this environment can be on like a single parent or, you know, with the economy, I'm worried I'm going to lose my job or whatever, whatever the challenge was, I was able to get to the source of it. And my goal, and I just kind of made this up, Adam, I mean, I wasn't like following any kind of like MBA program around qualitative research and data capture. (laughs) I just like really put my heart into it. And I cared about these people. And I was really listening for what their environment was like and how they were, because I'm fascinated by neuroscience, how they were making decisions based on their environment and their perceived experience that they had with my client. And when I started seeing patterns, I that's when I threw a flag on the play and I was like, this is what we need to pay attention to. And I remember, I, if, if you'll indulge me for a second, I'll tell you a story. I had a client, a, a fascinating doctor, and she was helping um, healthcare organizations, big, big healthcare organizations, improve their uh, quality and performance, patient care, patient quality. And they were using the Baldridge uh, criteria as their tool. And so they were taking a lot of these hospitals to the state and national level of the Baldridge um, award to be an award recipient. And so if anybody, if my listener, if you don't know what the heck I'm talking about, Baldridge, <laughs> you can look it up online, but it's it's basically like the Nobel Prize for business. And there are uh, a bunch of categories of industries that are awarded every year at, this, at most states, like California, like big states that have these kind of programs, and then at the national level. And if your business receives a Baldridge Award for your industry, that is like the creme de la creme. It, it's incredible that you've accomplished the this feat in industry. Um, so look it up. It's actually a pretty cool program. Not a lot of people know about. Anyway, so I started calling CEOs of healthcare organ- major healthcare organizations, and my knees were knocking together. I did this over ten years ago. Like I was oh, wow. only in business like four years, and but I wanted to get at the bottom of this. And my client had come to me saying, all right, I want to be uh, the top result of Google because, you know, that's what everybody's doing and I need a better website. And so she's kind of dictating all these tactics. I'm like, "Okay, great. Let me just learn a little bit more about your business. 
And so I got on the call with these uh, executives, and they were very gracious with their time. And what I was really seeing in my conversations with them was how much they respected my client. Like, she was it for Baldridge, and she was a medical doctor, so they really respected who she was in her career. Nice. And one of the things that they also started talking about was how they felt that, you know, they were kind of getting a little disappointed in, in the the level of attention. Like she would come in and do the dog and pony, typical consultant thing where they come in and they say, we can fix all your problems. And then when it comes time to do the work, she steps back and lets her team kind of fulfill on the, the contract. Not that there's anything wrong with that, but what I was able to get to is that this was a pattern that these executives were experiencing. They looked at her as a peer, not okay. as a vendor, like already before she even like got a contract with them. Right. And what they wanted was that peer-to-peer -peer best practices, kind of insider whispering, you know, like right. this is how you do it kind of thing. And they were not getting that level of attention after the dog and pony. So, now she yeah. was completely unaware that this was the takeaway and I was able to discover this for her. There was a bunch of other things, but that was like the big thing that really changed her whole business. At the time, she was working for a major healthcare organization. And so I, I told her, I said, as you travel around the country, pick up the phone and just reach out to these top executives at any of these hospitals that you're targeting to work with and tell them you're in town. You'd love to take them for, to lunch or have coffee with them. And the fact that you're staying top of mind, because every single one of these people I talk to, the way she gets business is through referral. Right. One CEO calls another CMO at a hospital and says, who did you use for your Baldridge? And they'd say, my client. And nice. so she doesn't get her clients from Google <laughs> or her website. <laughs> nice. Well, that's a good thing. Yeah. So this is what happened. So she took my recommendations. She was like, it was like a huge aha moment for her. And she was able to go and change her behavior. So she, when she traveled, she started reaching out more. She also started stepping up her attention that she was giving clients as she was working with them on their contracts. And so it was so successful as far as just a sales and, and relationship approach, because it really wasn't about marketing and, and that at that point, it was really about customer care and creating that emotional connection like you mentioned. And she was able to uh, go out, leave leave the organization she was working. She started her own consultancy. And within a year, she took two hospital systems, and they both received the Malcolm Baldridge National Quality Award in the same year, and that had never been done in healthcare. Wow. And so she was had bookings beyond belief, and she was actually enjoying her work that much more. And, and it was just so wonderful that we all teamed up together to try to find a solution where these executives, they had a simple ask. And it was just recognize who I am. Give me the attention that I deserve. Don't play games. We know you do good work, but just tell us how we can save time and get this done right. right. And that's really all they wanted. And it all came out of that qualitative research that I did. And she took action. And, and it's all on her as far as being a person of action, like acting on that information. Right. And I appreciate you indulging me in that story, but it's a, it, it is a classic example of just being in the dark. And I think solopreneurs have that myopia about their customers and their clients that they don't really 
have it dialed in the way they could, where they can create long relationships, big trust, and just have the kind of empathy that people are really reaching for today. Yeah, hundred percent. So I'll take that story. Then let's uh, let's make it generic because you obviously dug deep in that and created great results. And it, there's always going to be a complicated sort of answer with something like that. Yeah, so let's, that's let's true. Make it, so I'll make it generic for a second. So what Thank we would ca- what we would call that is what what she had or what the clients had was an expectations gap. Yes, in customer experience. Right. There's a gap between what the service they expected and what she was delivering. Now that had a lot of layers to it, but you, one of the things we're talking about mindset today is when you think about mindset, you know, I can see a bunch of uh, solopreneurs or, you know, solopreneurs with contractors that have some teams, whatever it may be, going, well, you know, I can't personally do that. That's my, you know, there's a reason I'm not doing that because I have to mm-hmm. scale my time. I want to lifestyle all this stuff. Right? And they're afraid to actually ask their customers what their world is like. They're they're afraid they're yeah, going to hear exactly. bad news. <laughs> right, exactly. But here's the thing. There, there are multiple, you know, not knowing that, like I said, I'm going to make it generic, but you know, just from the outside, there's multiple solutions to that. One is giving better, more personalized service and stepping up. Mm-hmm. To, and when I say two, there's sort of two ends and then there's a mix between. The other is setting better expectations from the beginning. Oh, right? gosh, yes. So, and, and there's a mix between you. Okay, maybe I set better expectations, but also I, wait, I look for these, uh, these moments, these, I, I call them pressure points, but these key touch points where, okay, I'm going to deliver a little more service there because if I do it there, they'll feel it and I don't have to do it the whole time. Right. I like that term, though, pressure points. Yeah, I, I really like that because I always say pain points, but sometimes it's really not pain. It's just there's just something not right. Yeah, yeah I like right. that. Exactly. Well, thank you, because it's touch points and pressure points. Like there's a million touch points, but what are the pressure points? What are the 80-20 points? Hmm. What are the ones that, you know, the few that are going to give you the most results? Because if you think about, I don't know, shop, shopping for uh, a car. Okay, that's a big purchase. It's very important. It's very emotional for most people, if nothing else, because of the amount of money involved, right? right? Um, There's a lot of pieces of that um, process that aren't as important as others, right? Okay, it's great when they greet you and they smile uh, when you walk in. It's great when they offer you a coffee. That's not important. When they treat you like they're trying to play you when they're going Mm. over the paperwork, that's important. Yeah. Right, that's going to stick out. The coffee's not going to stick out. You got offered coffee at 10 other businesses last week, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, so you got to look for the inflection points. And one of the things we talk about beliefs and that mindset is, so our, my personal motto is, uh, is how can I? That's literally, it's on my, if you can see my whiteboard there, it's actually sitting on the whiteboard. Uh, and if we're talking as a team, it's how can we? And mm-hmm. the reason I have that motto is because, you know, I told you, you and I are both into neuroscience, studying psychology, evolutionary psychology. I know our immediate answer is I can't because blank. Mm. That is generally the default answer for 95% of the people. For yeah, 95%. and that's, that's because being triggered by that already existing belief, right? Exactly, right. It's just yeah. like, oh, I know this can't work because blah, 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 blah. And probably all of those blah, 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 right, all of those reasons are legitimate. But if you ask how, but here's the thing. As soon as you say that, what happens? You're done. Yeah, there's no possibility. That's it. The future the future mm-hmm. is over. It is now the mm-hmm. past. As soon as you say, how can I? Okay, it opens up everything. Now, it doesn't it mean... Does. That's so cool. Yeah, I mean, it doesn't mean there's a solution. If my question is, how can I pole vault to the moon? Okay, I'm probably not going to get <laughs> an, uh, the answer I want. But I might, I might invent a, a new rocket ship, and now I'm comp- competing with Elon Musk. Who knows? There you go. Right? I mean, 
the thing is, as soon if you ask how can I, it opens up possibilities. Mm-hmm. Can't shuts down everything. So when you talk, talk about mindset and you talk about customers, you say, I'm scared of the answers. Okay, well, ask, how can I ask questions that are going to be valuable to me? But also, you know, one of the things, if you're really a solopreneur and you're really got a handful of clients, you, you're, you have to be careful when you're asking those questions not to set expectations. That you start asking about something like, oh, you offer that? Are you going to do that for me? Right, you got to be. I mean, it's probably better when they have hire hire Terry, so it's a third party. Yeah, yeah no, I get what you mean because they could back themselves into a corner. Exactly, they got to be careful, yeah. right? Uh, but yeah, so I mean, as a solopreneur, when you're thinking about your customers, when you're thinking about your experience, really just being try to shake off your existing beliefs. It doesn't mean you haven't learned stuff. It doesn't mean you don't know things. But try to approach things fresh and just ask. How can, how can I produce an incredibly emotionally resonant? This is something I talk about with companies all the time mm. in digital transformation. How do I create an emotionally impactful, emotionally resonant customer experience digitally, not ever having human contact? How do I do that? That's a hard question, but yeah. it can be done and it can be solved in most cases, but you have to ask, how can I? You, have, you can't go, oh, well, we know that we're wired to read human beings, so we have to be in the same room to really have an emotion. No. It's better, 100%. You know, Adam, it's really cool. I'm glad you kind of use that as an, as an example because especially from the emotional context because I don't, we don't give enough credence to the emotion side because it scares a lot of people, right? You know, people are like, oh, what's your emotional intelligence? Like, what is that? You know? <laughs> yeah. But I, I know one company I will uh, tout that I believe does that well virtually, and that's Active Campaign. So Active Campaign is an email automation service that I just started using a couple months ago. And I'm, I'm, you know, learning. I'm going through a learning curve and I'm setting up these automations, you know, for my new Pappy Club. And, and then I get stuck on something or my testing isn't working and I'm kind of freaking out. Right. And I reach out to the help desk. And I'm not kidding you. They gave me personalized attention. The Nick, who's the guy Nick, who responded no, to me, he shot me a screenshot. And the whole time he would say, okay, Terry, do this. Okay, Terry, do that. Like he made it just for me. Nice. And I uh, just the attention, the level of attention that he gave me, the fact that he didn't make me feel wrong or bad or small for asking what I probably <laughs> is a dumb question, you know, like, well, she could tell she's just starting out. Right. right. <laughs> and I actually know my way around email automation. Right? right. But, you know, it's, it's their tool. And, and I, I feel like I will use active campaign to like croak because of the treatment that this one person who I have no idea where he lives, his desk could be in Nome, Alaska for all right. I know. <laughs> Actually, I think he's from Chicago. Uh, now that I say that, I that. <laughs> but he's in Chicago, right? So right. don't know what he looks like. Don't even know what his voice sounds like. I never talked to him on the phone. Right. Everything was via email and he made me feel good. He solved my problem and then some, right. and he gave me some best. Pr- I mean, it's like, it was one win after another, after another. I mean, I'm writing emails back going, you're the best. I love you. You know, <laughs> Because he gave me relief, and that's what I was looking for, right? I needed somebody. And, you know, when we're dealing with these companies that have no face and we don't have the relationships and we're using a SaaS service or we're, you know, just in the grind of somebody's automation funnel or whatever, it's so easy to just feel manipulated and not special. 
And that's what human beings want. They want to feel special and recognized and appreciated. So I just had to throw that in there because you're right. Right. It's like, how do we do that in this virtually charged world that we're in? Yeah. And I mean, here's sort of, of course, I'm guessing here, but you can blow you away even more. He might have answered that question nine other times in the three days before he answered it for you, and still made exactly you right the same. Exactly, He's like it, oh my it, god, it was, this is so personalized. <laughs> he was not right. cutting and pasting. He's yes. like, oh my god, this question again. Hi, Terry, you're the best. Let me tell you yeah. how you do this. All right. <laughs> <laughs> it was awesome. You just couldn't see the thought bubbles above his head. <laughs> I know, but, totally. But, but, but I swear yeah. to God, it's like this guy, he's like, hey, if you need anything, just anytime, just tell, just let me know when you submit a new ticket. I'm like, oh, my God. He's like telling me that he'll be like my personal go-to help desk. That's it was awesome. like, and, oh and they have... Hundreds of thousands of customers. This company ama- <laughs> it's see, just blew my amazing, mind, right? They made you feel, yeah. and you can't. That's the thing. I always say, but like, can you do it? Like, absolutely, you can do it. It's harder, mm-hmm. yeah. but you can do it. You just have to think about how. That's and a- it's cultural too in a company. Oh, it's yeah. something that the you know Nick might have already had some good predisposition in his temperament to help people the way he was helping. However, a company, to have that a consistent experience, they have to provide the right kind of training and underpin it with a culture that is customer first. Terry will be right back with the rest of the show in just a moment. Are you getting the sense that there may be some long-held beliefs getting in the way of your business thriving? A solopreneur business can be challenging at times, to say the least. Everything from simplifying marketing to keeping your pipeline filled with a steady stream of great clients, there is a ton to do to run your business and be successful. The cause of these challenges may not necessarily be the economy, a missing marketing tactic or strategic action you're not taking, but a hidden belief that doesn't serve you or your business. The good news is you can uncover and change a belief that's sabotaging your business happiness, and I have the tools that'll help you. You'll find them inside my new home for solopreneurs, Pappy Club. I invite you to join for free right now. Get what you need to crush those limiting beliefs and define new beliefs that support business success and your overall happiness. Head over to pappyclub.com to sign up and start infusing your thinking with positive beliefs that support how awesome you are and all of the great things you've yet to accomplish in your business and life. That's P-A-P-P-Y-C-L-U-B dot com to sign up now and I'll see you there. Well, Terry, now that you mentioned customer service training, <laughs> which we offer at customers at stick dot com. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Uh, no, it's uh, it's it's really important. And, uh, you know, we are we are a training company. I'm a trainer. I'm a certified master trainer, all this stuff. And, you know, when you look at how adults learn. And here's the thing I always say, anybody with a generally nice personality can be pretty good at proactive service. Mm -hmm. Okay. Proactive service. Now, reactive service, we are not wired for. We've talked all, we already talked about the psychology and how our brains are wired. We are not wired to get yelled at, screamed at, cussed at and go, thank you, ma'am. I'd love to help you with that. That is not. (laughs) Now come away with like this kind of like. Yeah, it's not natural, especially if it's really intense, right? We we have yeah. intense, if intense emotions come at us, then we have an instinctual automatic reaction. Our brain starts firing off chemicals. Yeah, it's, okay? it's about protecting and survival. Exactly. That well, that's, what, that's what the brain is there for, first and foremost. And mm-hmm. understanding that 
and you have to understand that you know it's obviously the stakes are much different, and uh, um, I have the utmost respect for our first responders and our men and women in uniform. But that's what the training does for them. You think about the yeah. military; the training is there to basically help them act against natural instinct. Because mm. they, they all, you know, they you talk to them, they all say, "Yeah, that's we a feel great fear. example." We yeah. feel fear, we feel these emotions, but we just know how to handle it. That's obviously at a much lower scale. That's what we're talking about with customer service. Uh, you've got to train people to understand how they're feeling, to depersonalize it, realize that 95% of the time they're not yelling at you. And we, we talk about, you know, we talk about empathy a lot. We talk about this idea, and it's a great story from Stephen Covey and Seven Habits of Highly Effective People, that you don't know your customer's story. Yeah, no okay? kidding. And you know, most of the time, when I had retails, is when I, when I wrote my book, uh, "Be Your Customer's Hero." A lot of that was to help people understand that, look, people yell not because of you. The majority aren't yelling because of you. They're yelling because they're frustrated because you don't have the part, you don't have the appointment slot, you don't have whatever it is. And you know, when we teach that psychology, we teach the customer psychology, but we also teach the uh, the personal psychology, understanding how we react in these situations and what you can do about it. Yeah, because it, 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 the reaction, like the unaware reaction, only escalates as opposed to diffusing the situation. Yeah. Oh, so that's, exactly. a, that's a skill that needs to be trained. <laughs> yeah, 100%. <laughs> and that, you know, that even the proactive, you know, I, I guarantee you, uh, what was his name? Uh, <laughs> active campaign. He, he's had uh, Nick. good training. <laughs> My yeah, buddy, Nick. <laughs> you're right, though. He's had good training. There's no way he hasn't. Even if he got it at another company before he got there, he's had good training. Mm -hmm. uh, mm -hmm. He may be real smart. He may be real just ni nice and a helpful person. But knowing how to convey that well, communicate it well, there's training behind that almost certainly. Yeah. Right? And yeah. that's perfect. Well, I hope Nick is training everybody else because I'm telling you what, we need more Nicks in this world. <laughs> this is a, this is a, we need a picture of Nick on the show notes for this. I know, right? We do. I'm going to reach out to him and tell him we talked about him in my show. Awesome. <laughs> go, Nick. He's go. He's going to be all embarrassed, I bet. <laughs> what? <laughs> oh, man. Awesome. Well, when we get when we look at the solopreneur's mindset and their beliefs around their clients, what are some ways? We talked a lot about you know kind of understanding their world, which is really important, I think, because when you're a solopreneur, you can have some really long-lasting re relationships, and depending on what you do in your business, um, they can be lifelong relationships, uh, and and they can become advocates for referring others to your business as well. And so I think that there's some really important steps that a solopreneur can take to, and I want you to speak to these, Adam, to, you know, you kind of touched on this already about like addressing the beliefs that you might already have, but also what are some ways that they can step in closer to understanding their client's world and what they're facing so they can maybe be proactive and create expectations, as you mentioned, that really deepen the business relationship? I think one thing, and there's a lot of ways to sort of uh, skin that, but one way is really start by trying to understand your customer journey. Okay, we do something called... Explain customer, customer journey. So customer, we do something called customer journey mapping. There's also service blueprinting, which is related, but essentially you're... I'll, I'll do a quick example. Uh, so you get a haircut back in the days when you could actually go to the salon and get a haircut. 
All right, so you go to the salon. So let's see, what, what's part of the customer journey? It's every touch point, which means every time the company interacts with you. So you've got, let's say, the marketing flyer that shows up. Let's say it's your first time, right? Then you call, you make the reservation. That's another touch point, or you do it online, whichever one it is. You arrive, they greet you, they offer you a water or lemon water or whatever, then you sit down. Then you actually have the hair, you know, the haircut, they come to get you, or they give you to the shampoo person. It's all these individual touch points, right? Then you check out. Uh, and some, uh, if we talked about our pressure points and some are just touch points, right? Mm -hmm. Some are more emotionally. Like impact. a pressure point could be like you're waiting too long. Like you got there at your appointment time and because they got backed up for whatever reason, you had to wait. Could that be a potential pressure point? Yeah. So anything that creates an emotional spike, so to speak, or okay. elevated emotion, whether that's positive or negative. So one of the things. Oh, okay. We, one of the things so it could be positive as well. Yeah. hundred percent. So if the last four salons you went to, Terry, they're just like, hey, what's up? Want water? Blah, blah, blah. And you just sort of hear some paperwork. Okay. And then you walk into the fifth salon and they're like, oh my God, Terry, you're amazing. <laughs> I cannot believe you're here. We got lemon water. Actually, I checked out your Instagram and I saw your favorite magazine is whatever, or you're into fashion. Wow. Here's, a here's a copy of L. Right. How would you feel? I mean, I'm making that up, of course, but how would you yeah, feel? Yeah, that would be like like having having a experience like that Nick provided. Nick! <laughs> Nick! <laughs> yes. Uh, so, yeah, exactly. Right. So that's the difference. When you said, uh, it can be, we talk about something called the peak end rule. I don't know if you've heard of that, but for your listeners, uh, it's basically the idea that we don't define an experience by how we felt during the experience. So mm -hmm. our memories of experience are very important. It's not how really. It's not how it happens. It's how we remember it happens, and that memory. Ah, good right? distinction. Yeah, it's huge. There's a, a person named Daniel Kahneman who was really at the forefront of this, and a lot's been written. We teach it a lot, and this idea is peak in the end. So two things more than others define that memory, and what we've learned is it's your experiences are not the average of how you felt. They're defined by the peak, which is the, I wish they'd called it something else because it's the most intense, the most intense mm -hmm. emotional moment that can be positive or negative. Peak makes it sound positive. Wow. Interesting. I or, never looked at it like that, but yeah. that's pretty cool. And the end, which is just the last thing that happens. We tend to remember that recency effect. Now, so think about it this way. Uh, you go to a restaurant 20 times, your little neighborhood restaurant, and it's mm -hmm. fine. There's nothing great. It's not your favorite, but it's close. The food's good. It's reasonable. And you always have a decent experience. Then one time you go and the server is a nightmare. I mean, like rude, <laughs> throws the plate down, just like the, one of the worst servers you've ever had in your life. Like you're mad. You, you are like really upset that you could be treated, pay, pay somebody money to be treated like this. Do you remember those 19 times or do you remember that time? Oh, Duh. Of course you remember the bad experience and you probably never go back or at least don't go back for a long time because you're pissed off about it. Exactly. Because you're actually emotional. The other times yeah. were just flat, but now you have an emotion. Yeah. Now, and wow. of course, the okay. opposite. Good example. Right. The opposite's true, too. If you just have the best server ever. Right. Mm -hmm. And this is amazing. And you know, sort of like that uh, example we did with the L magazine or whatever. So whatever, some yeah. version of that, then okay, this is, this place is really getting good now, you know, it was yeah, okay before. And, but see the, on both sides of those, I can see yeah. the increased frequency of visits on the positive experience versus the other one, how I said, stop going altogether, at least take a long break from that convenient stop that normally had been pretty reliable. 
Really interesting, Adam. Exactly. Wow. So one of the things we teach, I actually have a whole speech on like uh, customer hassle, is mm -hmm. basically your goal in a customer experience is prevent negative emotion and try to generate positive emotion. Those are, yeah, the, to it. me, the two overarching goals of all customer experience. You're not always going to be able to do it. Sometimes you just... You know, if somebody buys a Plus soda. people are, it's subjective, right? People are different. You know, some people are m much more vocal emoters than others. Um, oh, right. Yeah. <laughs> well, that's a, that's a catch. <laughs> the catch is how do you do it with each individual? That's the hard part. Yeah, right? no kidding, right? How but, do you score, you know, and everybody has a different temperature when it comes to that stuff. Some people are, are more visible about it and some are like inward feeling that emotion and exactly. not uh, really expressing it. That's interesting. And the other thing is it's just an overall goal. You can't do it every time. Sometimes if you own a convenience store, sometimes somebody just buys a bottle of Coke. They hand you, you hand them, they hand you the money, you hand them the Coke and you give them a smile and it's nice and pleasant. You're just not going to make a big emotional wow every time you sell somebody a Coke, right? Yeah. So I'm just trying to give something really ordinary. So it's not about doing it every time, but it's about looking for yeah. opportunities as particularly now we go back to solopreneurs and deeper client relationships. Like how can you wow somebody? Okay. You send them a birthday email. Cool. They got 44 birthday emails all from their insurance company from <laughs> that it's wasn't more special. noise than it is a wow. Right. Exactly. Yeah. Right. So that's not a wow. Cause it's not unique. It's not per it's personal, but it's not really because everyone does it now. So how do you do that? So it's all about looking at that customer journey, right? So if we're that hair salon, we're going to go through all those touch points and we're going to say, okay, how do we reduce friction? How do we make this as easy as possible? That's the first thing. Mm -hmm. And then where can we wow somebody? Can we look up their Insta and stalk them a little and, or whatever it may be? How can we create a wow in this moment? It's like what John Rulin talks about in Giftology. And uh, I, I listened to him on uh, Don Miller's, I think it was Don Miller's podcast, and he was talking about really investing time in creating a thoughtful, quote unquote, gift experience for a customer that like blows their mind, like that it has so much. And, and this is like at the quantum level, yeah, exactly, <laughs> right? right? But it's it's a fascinating book um, that uh, that end podcast that he, that w is exactly what you're talking about. Now, can this ever backfire? For example, if you're creating that wow experience, and um, there's a there's a, a joy to be. I'm trying to think of the hotelier who's written a lot of books on. Um, customer experience. He's the ho boutique hotel. Oh my God. I can't believe I can't think of his name. I'll, I'll, <laughs> I'll remember it and I'll put it on the show notes, hotelier? but he wrote, uh, I'm sorry. Hotel. I was thinking about Danny Meyer, the restaurateur, but no, hotelier? no, no, he's, uh, no, oh, no. Oh, darn me. me. <laughs> it just popped into my head, but anyway, I'm spacing out on it too. I'm sure. I yeah. I, I'm sure when I, if, if I mention, if I remember it, it you'll be like, Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. I've heard of him. But, um, <laughs> His book's on my bookshelf. I'm just not in my office right now. <laughs> I'm in my <laughs> podcast studio. <laughs> but what I was going to ask you is, can that ever backfire? So if, and this obviously goes into training and creating that consistent culture, consistent customer experience, because if you just do the wow, then you're adjusting their expectations. So they're going to expect that glass of champagne and the L magazine and, and maybe even to one up that, like each time you're going to have that level of increase in surprise. So how can that backfire? I mean, it can backfire in a lot of ways, uh, for sure. I'm, I'm sure we've all done, so on a personal level, done something nice for somebody and it was not taken. <laughs> so, like, yeah, like true. A, right? It happens. Uh, so it can. And one thing is, if you're really worried it's going to backfire, don't do it. 
because yeah. you probably have a reason you're worried. Uh, but if it's like, okay, possibly it could. So as far as setting expectations, like this is a, this is a big thing in customer experience. I have, uh, I'll talk about the negative side actually first and then get to what you just asked. Okay. So one of the things we have people always ask me in our training is, well, if I give in, then it like sets a pattern. Like I don't, mm. I can't give in to them because then all of our customers are going to want us to give them a free this or a free whatever, right? <laughs> yeah. I'm oh, like, I so hear that in the cor corporate culture. Oh yeah. my God. I'm like, look, it could possibly be public. Do all your customers really talk to each other? What's the right thing for this customer right now right. in this moment? Because you did screw up. I like that. Just kind of isolating it because it's true. It's it's easy to kind of make that mean all cases all the time yeah. forever in perpetuity. Yeah. I mean, so, sometimes that's an issue if it's like going to set a legal precedent, right? <laughs> okay. Yeah. Good but, point. But, but past that, just from the like, oh, no, all of our customers, it's not going to happen. It just doesn't. Okay. Yeah. And if it is, the percentages, you're playing very high percentages that it's not. Hmm. So... On the positive side, it's a sort of the same principle. That's why I wanted to start with that idea, which is, can somebody misinterpret it? Can somebody say, oh, wow, you did that? Um, sure. One of the things you can do is package it a little better. You're in marketing. You know how to do this. Yeah. You know, so package it a little. Hey, I just was thinking about you. It's your first time. So, and I saw your Insta and we just want to give you an extra welcome gift, right? You can think yeah, through so how- It's almost like create, like packaging, like context, just have a little more appropriate context, which can exactly. house that a lot more. Yeah. So it is, yeah, I got that. That's cool. Right. I, yeah. I get that. That's pretty cool. So, and you just think about that, like, okay, what are the ways this could be misinterpreted and how do I, you know, give it context, give it a, a lane, give it some, uh, you know- Make sure, try to prevent that from happening as much as possible in the presentation. So, yeah, I think that's a, it's a really powerful thing to think about. And for the most part, as a rule, I'm not saying never, but as a rule, uh, don't be scared about the unintended consequences of doing something nice for your customer. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I, I, I think that this, this is so important from the standpoint of a solopreneur and I think some of the, you know, just to kind of summarize what we've, because we kind of we're all over the place, which is what I love about this show. It's just, we just, I just go where it goes, awesome. right? <laughs> I, love, I love it. But for the, for the solopreneur, I think the very first and most important thing is to just stop and think about your preconceived beliefs around your customer's experience, around how you're extracting, because it's so easy to get caught up in providing the service a certain way that it becomes very transactional when, in fact, you're in a true relationship with your customer. And understanding the human side of it, the emotional side of it, which you really talked a lot about today, which I think is key, key, key. And for some people, that's challenging because they don't read emotion well or they don't know how to deal with it. It's just not a, a comfort place. Um, and, and for solopreneurs that have like high empathy and are uh, oriented toward nurture and it, they just kind of are a little more dialed in, can be really effective at providing a level of care and awareness once they discover that they may have some already, you know, preconceived beliefs around that. And I love your motto. Thank you. How can I? How can we? 
And looking at possi- a possibility, I'm, I'm a huge advocate of appreciative inquiry, which is always looking at the positive possibility of solving a problem. Love it. As opposed to finding where all the negative is and what sucks about it and where's the risk and all that. It's like, let's turn it around and look at the other side of the coin. And so starting there can create genuine awareness. And I also think what's really critical based on what you were saying is take the time to look at each relationship. Because I think a lot of solopreneurs, unless they're really scaled online, and even then, like you mentioned with the virtual example where I started talking about Nick – I think it's totally, yeah. You can have like a totally, we like a like explosion emoji or something. I know. <laughs> For Nick, right? <laughs> he's I'm telling you, he's gonna love this. This is great. <laughs> and I think the active campaign should give him a raise. <laughs> there we go. But you know, to to look at ways that they can actually expand on that, creating those, as you said, spikes, right, of of emotional experience and leaning more toward the positive. So there's so many wonderful things that you shared here, Adam. So what's one final nugget that you can leave my solopreneur listener? Wow. Um, Yeah, I think from solopreneur is really try to understand the journey. I'm going to go back Mm. to that uh, because I think that that's something we do in big companies, medium-sized companies. Like uh, if you uh, Google journey mapping and go to images, you'll see like images of how it's done. It'll Mm -hmm. be really telling. Um, But just trying to understand, not just assuming. And, you know, that example you gave, Terry, of somebody that's been their client for years. Well, you want to look at what's the journey for a new client? What's the journey for someone who's been my client for five years? That's a really good point. And it's something that, I mean, I'll raise my hand and say I'm guilty of my hands taking up too. advantage <laughs> of my clients, right? And their trust. And from the standpoint of, of care, I mean, obviously I'm taking great care of them, but I'm not stepping back and saying, wow, this is something I really value as much as I would like to. And I and this is a good reminder for me to to step more strongly into that and do that because it does matter to me. It really matters to me. And we can and, all do it better because so in my book, Be Your Customer's Hero, I actually have a title. And this thing I wrote, it came out in 2015. I wrote it in 2014 mm-hmm. called Everybody is Rushed, Everybody is Stressed. Oh. And it's about customers, but it's about us too. I mean, yeah. if you're busy, it's hard to go spend time on the customer that's quiet right now. It is hard. It's hard for all of us. I don't do it the way I should do it either. So it's a great it's a great reminder for all of us, I think, mm-hmm. Carrie. It's just got to be elevated in its importance. Exactly. Because we will do things that are important to us. We won't do things that we don't feel are important. And I think that as as we are evolving in our economies and the way things are changing in the world, it's becoming much more uh, to the forefront about relationship and caring for people at a human level and and not to be cliche about it, but really uh, just examining what is a true business relationship when it's the business to the customer? How can we evolve that to the point where it's a, a truly a give and take, but more of a growth uh, situation that can occur as a result of, of working together. And I think that that's totally possible. I love everything that you're doing, Adam. And oh, you've been you. so wonderful on the show today. Uh, you've made me think. And I like that. I like getting challenged on my own show. And I am so grateful for you to spend time with us and share uh, your wisdom. I'm going to have everything about you, your books, and where they, uh, my listener can uh, get a hold of you and, and consume more of your goodies because you are the CX guy. 
and um, I love everything you're doing. So thank you so much for being here. Uh, thanks so much for having me, Terry. I love what you're doing with the show and I love your message for solopreneurs. And it was, it was an honor and a pleasure. Well, that's it for this episode. Thank you for joining me. You know, being a solo can be incredibly rewarding when you have the right guidance, resources, and community to help drive your business vision. The great news is that's exactly what you'll get with Simplify and Multiply. You've just listened to another episode of the Simplify and Multiply show with Terry Pappy. If you want to get free marketing and business development tips, templates, trainings, and more, head over to simplifyandmultiply.com and sign up. Learn how you can grow your business the easy way. That's simplifyandmultiply.com to join our growing community of amazing, talented solopreneurs out to simplify their business, multiply their income, and make a big impact in the solopreneur economy.